Welcome everyone to Wrestle Roasts. I'm your host, Robert Karpolis, and I am joined today by the one and only Scott Chaplin. Scott, how are you? That's right, the one and only. It's Fuck just you, us, Ricochet. Baby. Yeah, it's just us right now. Dan is in we- Dan's doing radio in St. Louis, which sounds very old timey. Like I picture everything yeah. and just like sepia, like he's on a tin. Like he sounds how you usually sounded. Uh, <laughs> it's like, well, here in Missouri, come out and see me do some jokes uh, and, and fresh tomatoes. I don't know what the fuck they do in Missouri. It's a lovely, lovely state, I'm sure. Orton's from there. It can't like everyone can't be that bad. Yeah, um, I've uh, I've done radio with Dan before, and sepia tone is the right word. I feel like that's what I've I've never heard him do straight up radio. I've heard him when he's done like uh, Shoemaker. Uh, or sometimes when he's done like bonfire or whatever, like there is a tone that I do the same thing. Apparently when I'm like on my own, I get like a radio voice. Someone put, it called me out rightfully. So I think it's just my, <laughs> it's the same thing I do when I'm doing lawyer shit. Like it's that voice comes out. Um, but yeah. Also for those of you who tuned in and listened and you're like, Hey, where's that weird opening intro uh, music? Uh, I got a note from Zach, our producer. He was having some technical issues, so we're just recording it straight. No, uh, oh, Did you know there's an open to this show, by the way, Scott? Of course I do. I don't know what's going on, but it's a lot of great wrestling, like Botchamania type uh, promo catchphrases. Like the Shit lawyer like in me yeah. gets very – I. And then it's Dan speaking a radio voice. Then Dan is like, "Welcome to Wrestle Roast." It's Wrestle Roast. (laughs) Yeah. Low low APR financing. Like that's what it feels like. Um, We gotta change. Do you think TKO is gonna change the WWE intro? Uh, no. Or Endeavor, whatever they're called. It's in. So Endeavor owns TKO, which is an entity that is the the parent company of wwe and ufc we can do uh fucking you know business entities and we can just get into the legalities and people will just like drift off as they're like yeah. if you're like because some folks tell me like they listen to us in the car and i don't want anybody driving off the side of the road but we are going to start by talking about the sale uh, of wwe it's official they're now under tko it's re- it's bizarre right it feels a little different. You know, I tried really hard to sit there and like feel something about it, you know, like something a therapist would tell you to do, but not about wrestling. But I was like sitting there going like, okay, what does it mean to you? Because I grew up watching wrestling, man. I've watched wrestling more than I've watched probably anything. So, and most of it was WWE. So I go, all right, let this affect you. And it just couldn't because it's been years of, of changes, you know? And, uh, and I feel like Vince is happy. Well, he made $111 million overnight on the sale. So <laughs> No, he made a lucky number million. He made 111 mil. He made 111 mil. That'll pay for all the mustache wax he needs. <laughs> I mean, you know, Stephanie's gone already. I even forgot that in all the pictures. I'm like, where's Stephanie? Where to Stephanie? That's in the intro. Yes, um, uh, she's she's off somewhere with Taker learning about Blue Lives Matter. <laughs> and uh, that's what's important. I think the weird thing for me is on top of all the other whatever, being a WWE employee and knowing that that entity, that company is gone is weird because I know it hasn't had nothing's come out yet. We're recording this on a Friday morning at like 930 in the morning. So apologize that this was a little late. I was out of town traveling, not doing radio in St. Louis, uh, but was away <laughs> on business. And um 
they haven't announced layoffs yet, but there are going to be layoffs. It's not going to well, be so, talent necessarily. Dude, they, no, they made people, they made everybody stay home today, right? Is that what they wind up doing? Uh, most likely, well, yeah. They, corporate, they, obviously not the yeah. wrestlers because they're SmackDown. But I heard, I heard the office building is empty today because they want to do the firings in private. You, well, yeah. Usually, what winds up happening with with big corporate layoffs, and I've, I as you know, the evil fucking lawyer, I've had to be a part of some of those. Uh, <laughs> usually, what you do is, yeah, you can keep everybody home, and then you get an email that either says, um, you know, we 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 regret to inform you that uh, your services are no longer needed. Best of luck in your future endeavors. You're going to be meeting with someone in HR, or you get an email that says, regrettably, today we had to let a number of people go. They have already been notified of this. If you are receiving this, you will continue under the new entity. Uh, that's how wow. most companies tend to do that at a large corporate level. But it's weird for me because the kind of the not the pride it's a weird word to say but a little bit of the pride of when you worked at wwe was they were a self-contained entity we had our own accounting people you had your own janitorial staff you had your own travel department we didn't answer to anyone we we made money from tv networks you made money from merchandise and all that other stuff but we were the masters of our own domain if we decided we wanted to unplug from everything else and just be a, a full streaming service you could and you were a legitimate company you know people picture when I when I talk to people, I'm like, oh, I worked in WWE. They picture like we were working out of like a trailer somewhere with like a guy and a fiddle sitting on a barrel. Like it was a legitimate major professionally run company. And now that's just gone. And unfortunately, a lot of people I worked with are probably not going to be there anymore. Uh, you know, a lot of the people in your your legal department, your finance department, uh, your HR department. Those are all redundancies, and they have been there for 10, 15, 20 years, and you know, poof are gone overnight because uh, you know, Vince forgot to keep NDAs under wraps. <laughs> so, yeah, that's so. What does Vince do? Vince disappears, Vince continues to show up. I know he was at Raw, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a, a spoiler for those of you who've never seen Goodfellas. If you haven't seen the movie Goodfellas, just ignore the next 30 seconds. Vince McMahon's going to be Joe Pesci. Uh, he's going to get he's going to think that, you know, I'm in the pictures. I'm here with Dana White. I'm I'm on the board with Ari Emanuel. Like, I'm going to be the big swinging dick of TKO. The, someone's going to come up behind him when he walks in the room. They're going to shoot him in the head. It's it's going to happen. Yeah, they, right. This is a different level of risk. So they needed Vince. This is like alien. This is like AI taking over. It's like whatever just happened to your voice two seconds ago on the phone. I don't know if you're moving, jumping around, whatever, but all of a sudden oh, you went no. all fucking robot. Okay, how about now? Better? You're good. Yeah, just sit still. Don't move. And keep putting quarters into the phone, and we'll get through this. But, uh, <laughs> no, but Speaking they, of good fellas. Yeah, basically, the, there you go. Uh, they needed Vince because Wall Street – is really, really dumb. You know, I know Wall Street is incredibly smart and savvy and sophisticated in most people's minds. Wall Street is dumb, and they know stuff the way, like, you and I know stuff. Like, if someone asked you to say, like, you know, the Mars rover, you know there was a Mars rover, right? Sure. Do you know fucking anything about it beyond 
there was a Mars rover. It went on Mars. It like took pictures. Absolutely not. That's it. That's that's what most insiders in Wall Street knew about WWE. When they hear WWE, they think Vince McMahon. When they hear UFC, they think Dana White. So if they're going to invest and they see a picture of Vince McMahon and a picture of Dana White and they're shaking hands, you know, at the at the trading floor, they're like, cool. Everything is what we expect it to be. Once that settles down and they start seeing a return on their investment, you can get rid of Vince. You don't need Vince anymore. He's a mascot. He's an old man with a creepy mustache who is a liability more than anything else. He's he's lived out all of his usefulness to R. Emanuel. And if you know anything, do you know anything about R. Emanuel? No, no. Have you ever watched Honorage? A uh, little bit, yeah. That's Ari is Ari. No, really. Ari Gold. Jeremy is, uh, Piven. Jeremy Piven. Yeah. Um, Ari Emanuel is basically like the the ultimate agent. Um, his brother Ram Emanuel was who Bradley Whitford's character in The West Wing was based on. Like he was uh, high up uh, in politics. He was, uh, I think, mayor of Chicago at one point. Um, like they are, they're impressive, but they are fucking cutthroat. Like if if Ari was handling Dan's uh, Peacock deal. Uh, Dan would be too famous to talk to us by now. <laughs> well, you know, because you, you, we were talking about cuts behind the scenes. I did hear there's going to be cuts maybe next week in terms of wrestlers' faces that we're familiar with where we freak out a little more. Yeah. Um, you know, they bought UFC a few years ago. Dana White's fucking business model in terms of paying his guys is so different than WWE. They probably don't even have to ask Dana. I mean, Dana has how many guys actually he's paying legitimately in a real way. They're constantly complaining about pay. So it's like, are we going to see a level of cuts that like I'm interested if they're going to shift the whole fucking thing and you're going to have like a 35 person roster. So I don't think so just because so UFC is a totally different animal because you never know who's going to catch fire and how long they're going to last. Like, they would love to manufacture a world where Conor McGregor is still best fighter in the world. And that dude constantly draws. Um, they have, it's like, it's a, it's an after the fact thing. If a guy winds up being a good fighter, all right, now we got to try to get behind him and hope that he doesn't suck on the microphone or worse is like a dude who beats his wife or gets drunk and plows into you know telephone poles. WWE is intellectual property. It's all fucking, it's Marvel. It's characters. They, they will keep a deep roster of guys they don't pay a lot. What they'll probably do to not cause panic is they just won't re-sign people as their contracts come up. Like there are folks that are just not on TV who, when their deal is up, I don't think they're going to get a new deal. And yeah. that's a quieter, easier way than just, hey, good news, we're firing a whole bunch of people. Because then, again, Wall Street gets panicky and they don't – really understand it like wwe had a was a publicly traded company and they educated their shareholders but that's it that was a different world than the people that may be investing in tko so it'll be weird to see i don't think they're gonna fire a whole bunch of talent or at least a whole bunch of name talent because there's money associated with those name talent you get rid of a guy who's selling a bunch of t-shirts and now you're losing that t-shirt revenue it's hard to educate investors and why that matters. So they might just be like, screw it. We're going to keep, I'm going to pick a name. I like the guy, but like, we're going to keep Mansoor, 
even though he hasn't been on TV in a long time, um, which he should be, by the way. I like that stupid models gimmick. I liked it more than L.A. Knight. I liked it more than a lot of things. L.A. Knight, I mean, he he's someone who they're saying, you know, was having a tough time agreeing on a on a number, right, for uh, for a re-signing, which is apparently currently happening. Because he's a fucking... now that the sale happens, you go. He was just waiting, right? Because the money yeah. is after this sale. The money is after the sale, but he's also comes from like the Carney era still. Because he's an old dude. La, I think part of my issue with La Knight, we I, Dan and I talked about it on Patreon this past weekend, is I'm all for a guy catching fire, no matter how it happens. Like if it's going to draw eyeballs and it's going to do better for the wrestling industry, have at it. But he's old and he's been doing this for like 20 years. So in his mind, (laughs) it's like strike while the iron's hot and get a lot of money because he doesn't know if when this when all is said and done, he's going to be, you know, Chris Rock or he's going to be Arsenio Hall. Like, are you going to have legs? Are you going to be around for the next 20 years as an institution in wrestling? Or are you going to be a, hey, remember that dude that everybody loved saying, yeah, for like an hour? So I don't blame him. Like, get paid because this will be the last contract he'll probably wind up getting where he's a marquee name. You know, I think the one thing I like about him is his age because he feels like a vampire to me. Like, he feels like we all look at him as he's a little older. Like, you know, when you're a kid, so everybody's big. And so there's yeah. a different way to look at them. And it's way cooler to have an idol when you're little and they're big. L.A. Knight feels like and like he's from 89. He feels like he makes uh, movies in L.A. in 19. 19- he reminds me of uh, the movie Once Bitten with Jim Carrey. He's like a vampire in Once Bitten. I could, And they both suck. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm you're going to get so much shit for that. Uh, dude, so the L.A. Knight hate or like love for him feels so manufactured and fake it feels like like if mike was here i'd be like it feels like a Zack snyder thing ah or so there's that one all right there's i this is where i'm gonna be ignorant and old there's this one comedian and i don't want to get you in trouble and say who it is but i, I generally don't know his name he's all over like tiktok and youtube and he just does a oh, lot of crowd work and he's really handsome yeah, and like he sells out fucking arenas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I don't I, I've seen clips of him. I'm like, I, I get that he does a lot of crowd work and he's a good looking dude, but I, I wouldn't be like, Oh yeah, he's the next George Carlin, and yet people are like, Oh, he's the second coming of fucking comedy. Sure. And I think, you know, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I think like uh with comedy and wrestling, it's like a similar fandom, right? Where you go, Well, I I listen to comedy and this is not what I like. And these people don't really listen to comedy and they like it. Right. And you feel that kind of way about LA night. Like he's for the kids. Right. But at the same time you go, Oh wait, kids exist. <laughs> like they're allowed to listen to a thing and like it. You know? Right. Like, but, and so are women, obviously. <laughs> but also like it kind of annoys me that people won't cop to the fact of like, look, what's fun about LA night. If I went to a WWE show and he came out and the audience is doing the, yeah, and they're chanting along with his catchphrase. Like, that's super fun. I get that. That creates an atmosphere you want. But you can't watch that guy and be like, I can't wait to see him wrestle. I can't wait to see him have great, you know, five-star matches. Or even his promos kind of suck. Once he gets past his initial patter, he gets lost really easy. Well, and and I, I'm, I'm legit not knocking him when I say this, but that Stone Cold Steve Austin strut he does, um, 
and, and the pop he gets is, look, it's not Stone Cold, but it's Stone Cold-esque. It, it makes me want to never see him wrestle, but I do want to see him, like, spray people with a hose. Yeah. Hit a guy with a thing. Like, dude, let him do the segments. Let him, let him be, like, the guy who runs around and chases people because he's a badass. Because the truth is, yeah, when he's in the ring, just like Austin when his knees became shot and his neck was hurt, it's like, work around it. Yeah, so give give LA Knight an ATV and just let him kind of run, run like roll down to the ring, do his shtick, and I'm good. The crowd yeah, will dude, pop. Give him like a sick modern motorcycle. No, never give him a motorcycle. Do you not remember that time where Hogan had to try to start Undertaker's motorcycle and it wouldn't turn on? Oh, amazing! Yeah, and Taker still had to stand at the ramp, like, no, yeah. don't, don't run me over. <laughs> and motorcycles in general, to get them around the ring, like I remember, like the Disciples of Apocalypse could never get them down there. Um, just give him, give him a. I don't even. I mean, I was going to say like one of those like little hoverboards, but I know uh, Mr. Spectacular does that in ring and uh, OVW. By the way, quick plug for that this weekend for the Patreon. Uh, Scott and I are going to be talking the first two episodes of the Wrestlers documentary on Netflix, which is about Al Snow and OVW. And it's fucking like we used to do Tales from the Indies on here. That whole show is Tales from the Indies. I'm pumped to watch. It's so I can't wait for you to see it. And we'll talk about it on uh, over the weekend. But it's such a it's a it's depressing and fun at the same time. Like it is, it, it's like that, the, the like MTV True Life that they did years ago where they interviewed like Tony Atlas and he's like living in a one bedroom apartment <laughs> cooking spam on a makeshift hot plate. That's everybody on this show. I'm convinced, oh, no. I know it doesn't end with this, but, and I messaged Al, I'm like, I feel like this is going to end with your suicide. Like that's what this, <laughs> like, that's the crescendo of, why it sucks to be a wrestling fan or why it sucks to be a wrestler. And it's got to be rough for those guys to see like this WWE sale and they're making, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars doing the same thing they're doing in OVW and they're rubbing like sticks together to keep the lights on. Brutal, 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 but brutal, but super fun. And uh, what was also super fun here, I'm, 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 it's bad segue. It's, it's, it's a Friday morning. <laughs> usually, like we do this. So, full disclosure, we usually do this. You know, Thursday night, Thursday late afternoon. We're, we're all like fired up. We got coffee and whatever in our system. We're, we're ready to go. Uh, it's a Friday morning. I was, I had to travel for work, so I got in like kind of late last night. Uh, Scott's a, you know, I, I can't imagine you're getting up super early in the morning. Uh, and, and. <laughs> You know, Dan is busy on like an FM station, you know, cool, cool jazz, 92.1 in St. Louis. Um, but uh, something fun to talk about that I wanted to address is uh, PWI, which we'll put at the top. It doesn't matter. It's a thing. It's a subjective list. It's the same thing as Meltzer ratings, but it is always fun when these come out. And the boys always wind up talking about it in the back and it gets coverage. But um, they announced the uh, at least their their PWI 500 at the top 10. And it was a little bit of a surprise to me. I, I don't know. I, I'm going to go over the list now uh, and then, Scott, I'll get your take on it. But uh, at 10 was Cody Rhodes. Uh, at nine was uh, was the walking weapon. Nice little impact uh, moment there. Eight, Orange Cassidy. Seven, 
uh, o- uh, Okada, six, MJF, <laughs> five, Vikingo, four, Gunther, three, Moxley, two, Roman, one, Rollins. So the Shield in 2023, your your top three wrestlers according to PWI. What was your what was your first take on this list when you saw it, Scott? I uh, look, I I am genuinely not not against the top three. Um, in in terms of, I think the way PWI does it, other than obviously it's fucking, uh, they base it on like storyline and stuff, right? Like, like if a guy is like actually dominant in storyline, they acknowledge that they treat it like it's real. Um, <clears throat> it's not about like best performances. If you lost a bunch, you're not you're not in the top ten, right? Um, a lot of top guys were hurt last year or uh, suspended for having fights, <laughs> so. The year was like a big jumble of injuries. That being said, there's like huge fucking fails on this that are just obviously people are going to argue. It almost makes you go, did you want us to argue? Yeah, it, it felt like they were trying. It's like it's almost like a it's like a Jim Cornette situation of I'm going to say something ridiculous like Vikingo is one of the top five wrestlers of the last yeah, year. Yeah, dude, get a grip. I love Vikingo on what fucking planet? But again, I guess they're looking at it as he was a champion in AAA, and let us see how many defenses he had. It's, but uh, come on, it's just, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, the the biggest takeaways for me were no Sammy. When Sammy, from a storyline perspective and from an in ring perspective, was one of the most dominant guys of the last uh, year, and no Osprey, who every time I saw that guy, I'm going. Yeah, he's a he's a top ten performer, and every time he's out there, has felt special. Those those were two, in my opinion, huge glaring omissions. I know Mike actually, as I mean, it was a joke at first, but kind of made sense. He argued that using their criteria, Dominic Mysterio should have been top ten because he was probably the top heat getter of the year and a really you know, revolutionary first year out of the gate. Uh, that one's a little, I, that one I give a little bit less credence to, but I think at the very least seeing, um, you know, Vikingo top five and I, I can't speak for Okada. You'd, you'd lean better on that than, than me, but what I saw him do in AEW didn't even feel as impressive as what Danielson did in the Ironman match with MJF. I mean, and and let's be honest, but guys like Darby Allen who bust their ass every week, you know, I don't know where he is on this list, but uh, in terms of impressing the hell out of people week in and week out, there's there's names that are just completely left off. And yeah, man, the Sammy thing. So I take back that shield thing where I said the top three, I'm okay with it because Sammy should be number one. I don't care if he lost every battle. He's the reason the fucking uh, bloodline storyline works so well. He was the reason the last two WrestleManias were enjoyable. Yeah, I was going to say, starting uh, from that, starting from making it, the Johnny Knoxville stuff work. Yeah. And so you go in terms of like uh, PWI and like whatever you want to represent, like, don't you want want to represent like what that year meant in the eyes in terms of looking back too, right? You want to be able to look back and go, hey, what happened in uh, this year? Uh, who was the top guy? To look back and not have Sammy on the cover of a PWI 500 list is, uh, it's so stupid and reckless because if if this wasn't his year, which it was, it means they're never going to give it to him. And that is a major bummer. 
it's also weird to see MJF below Moxley because I think Moxley in the last year or so he's existed. He's been a good, like, all right, punk is out. Let's put in Moxley punks out again. Let's put in Moxley. But I feel like Max in the last year grew to be their world champion. Oh yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many, um, more compelling stories than the Moxley story. It's just that Moxley shows up every week. I, I'm not a Moxley match hater. I don't care that he bleeds every match. I think when people fight, they bleed, and so you're allowed to bleed. Uh, but you can't tell me he's given us something special every week when there are guys that are legit every time they're out there giving you something really special. It's just he's there a lot, and he's elsewhere a lot, which, again, I guess in, in PWI rules, it's like, Who's taking over the wrestling globe? Like, I don't know. Put fucking Logan Paul on the list then. I mean, I'm sure he's going to be on there. Naito completely. So, dude, so he wasn't even on the top 500, right? Naito. And then they have to go, oh, we, they go, we made a mistake. They go, we, it was a mistake. We're sorry. So it's just like, they're just totally shitting the bed. I mean, I think he was, was he the fucking champ? Or he fought Sonata at Wrestle Kingdom. What was the main event at Wrestle Kingdom? I think Naito was in it, and he's not even in the 500. I think I blocked it they, out. Because they goofed. Yeah, well, I, that one's a little a little strange. Um, do you think Seth's number one? Uh, mm, he never has the best match of the year. He never has the best promo of the year. That Cody match with Rollins is arguably the best match of maybe what they're counting as the voting. That's, that was what I thought of the right? the, the splotch match. Sure, sure. Uh, and I mean, if we're being honest, you made a, a whole new title where you got to put it on a guy who is. But that's not. That's now. That's not for this. Nah, I don't think he's number one, man. I really don't. You think Gunther's I don't know top who five? You put his number one. I mean, you could I, flub it. You could put Reigns as number one. I think that's what the, I feel like they sat down and they're like, all right, Roman's probably got to be number one again because you can't do, you can't put Kenny in the top 10 or punk because of the suspension and then everything that happened after the fact. Suspension Um, and injury, right? I mean, both of these guys were like hurt then suspended. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I don't know their criteria as Homer ish as it will sound. And I'm owning this sounds Homer ish. I would have put Max number one just because. He won the world title and he main evented a huge show for them. And he's been the only guy carrying dynamite or AEW consistently. But yeah, that's Seth, why maybe I think that might count for next year. Yeah. Um, I mean, but Seth and was, it should. I mean, it should. Like you want to do you hey, you want to do you want to fake it, PWI. That eighty one thousand is a real number. And Max performed in front of the largest wrestling crowd ever, and he's number one next year. Yes, and Adam Cole was six feet tall. (laughs) I've heard this. Yes, which still cracks me up because I stood next to Adam Cole, and he is definitely not six feet tall uh, because I'm slightly above six feet. Hold on. I met Robert, though. I met Robert. He is six foot. Robert is six foot seven and doesn't even know it. Me and Dan both met Robert, and we're like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'm a deceptive. I'm like, uh, I'm deceptively tall, like Billy Gunn. Yeah, I mean, I feel bad for you. You get to work with wrestlers, so you were like tiny, I'm sure. But damn, you, damn, in the lawyer world, you're Andre. 
Yes, in in lawyer world, that's 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 what I'm known as, uh, mainly because I I drink more than I probably should. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm a responsible, respectable member of society. Uh, outside of doing this podcast, this is pretty much the only <laughs> blight on my on my like life. Otherwise, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, PWI it gets people talking. It's kind of a fun, goofy thing for for folks to get uh, excited about. When there's other, you have any hold on, you uh, Scott, you moved back into you robot have... territory again. <laughs> Do you have any physical copies of a PWI? Like Never. a mark? Never. Oh wow! The only physical copies of anything I have was as a kid, I got WWF magazine in like well, I used to go to the newsstand with my dad in like ninety one, ninety two. So I have like probably a year's worth of those somewhere. Nice. Yeah, I used to ride my bike to CVS and they would have the WWF magazine and I would rip out. They would always have like one of the divas in a yes. uh, in a pullout thing and I'd rip it out and flee the scene, you know. Is pullout really the word you want to use in that situation? <laughs> but I have a PWI, one of those pro wrestling crates. They gave me one the year Kenny was number one, dude. Hell yeah. So you did the same thing to that that you did to the diva posters. Got it. <laughs> yep. Got home as soon as I could. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, speaking of, of Kenny and his company, uh, we'll we'll do a little uh, a little dynamite or dud. Uh, I'm guessing you watched dynamite this week. I did. I did. Did you? I did. Um, I watched it, and this was great. I, I so it was my first time ever flying on Spirit. And if you think this is an advertisement for Spirit, you are fucking wrong. Um, <laughs> It is like flying on a bus. It's just, it's a disaster area. But they were the only thing that had a direct flight out of uh, out of Raleigh. And what was great is this is this is why I love wrestling. I'm I'm at at my at my company meeting a whole bunch of people. Um, started at at a, at a new uh, a new corporation, and once people found out I worked in wrestling, almost everyone I met because you're in North Carolina. Who do you think they asked about, Scott? Rick Flair. Rick Flair. Every almost every no matter as buttoned up, straight laced, corporate as they were, every single one of them was like, "So, so, uh, did, uh, did you ever meet Rick Flair?" Like he, yeah, they probably all given him their card. Yes, uh, <laughs> you would think like I always knew that like oh North Carolina's Flair country like he really is like God of that whole area. It's a big I've heard this. Deal. I've always kind of heard it, but to actually like see it where you're talking to people and you're just like, I'm like, dude, you like someone who was, I'm like, you went to Princeton and you're here talking to me about like how cool Ric Flair is. I love it. Wrestling's the fucking best. (laughs) We literally watch the best thing in the world. Everybody knows it. And anyone who says otherwise is a fucking idiot. Uh, Unless they watch dynamite this week, but uh, I'm kidding. Um, we get, we, uh, so before we even get to dynamite, something we can talk about now, or I was going to save it for high spot, low spot, uh, and that was going to be the attendance stuff. You want to talk about it now, or save it for after dynamite? Well, okay. So in terms of what, as a whole, in terms of in three general? things. So there's three. <laughs> there's three attendance <laughs> issues that yeah, AW had this week. The first, which is probably the funniest, is the Wembley stuff. 
that it came out that only like 70,000 people went through the turnstiles. And I know that Tony Khan is going to say, well, technically we sold 80,000. Like it very well might be if they sold a bunch to brokers and the brokers couldn't unload them. The turnstile was 71,000 people or something like, which is still an insane number. But part of what bit them in the ass was they went out of their way to call out WWE and be like, our number's legitimate. Your number's not. This is integrity. We we stand behind this number. This is 100% true. Will Ospreay's getting it tattooed. And then it comes out that it really wasn't true. I don't think I would have minded if it wasn't for the fact that they really were like, here's our attendance number. And it is like, you can take it to the bank. Yeah. If if I'm Osprey, I'm 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 cutting a promo saying that uh thousands of his bruvs hopped the the rail to see him. <laughs> that might be the case. And that's look, that's kind of the goofy funny one. The two that are less goofy and funny, one is there was pictures circulating from Dynamite this week in Cincinnati, Moxley's hometown, and there were a significant amount of empty seats like late era nitro empty seats. And then you're going into grand slam next week. And I didn't think this was real, but you know, Dan and Scott are in the New York market. They're doing BOGOs for this show. When it, when they first did grand slam, it was like, good luck getting tickets. Now it's spread out, relax, put up your feet. Yeah, it is a major bummer. Uh, I, I, I mean, I knew about the attendance, Look, you notice the attendance every week. They don't have an attendance because the the lights are wonky in the arena. All of a sudden, there's like major dark patches, uh, and they're only showing light where there's people. It never used to bother me, and for some reason, it's bothering me now. I think because you know you build, you build, you build, and so it doesn't matter if there's ten people there because you started and you build and you build, but. Because we did see uh, an increase in people showing up to these venues at one point, because not just because you go, oh, because the product was hot, but it was hot for a reason. The storylines were compelling. They were giving you matches you wanted to see when they were in your hometown. You were guaranteed the 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 every guy that you cared about in the company was pretty much going to be there in some fashion. And now it's like a crapshoot, and you don't even know who's going to be in the company or what storyline they're trying to convey or what they're trying to loosely tighten up for next week because, you know, it's a pay-per-view feel for next week, even though they just had a pay-per-view and then they had a pay-per-view before that. And um, which again, I, I never really minded, but it's just, it's obviously catching up in terms of people actually showing up to the venue to the point where I'm not, I'm not going, I'm not going to grand slam. Uh, cause it's a bit of a hike. And I think the lineup is great. Uh, the lineup is one of the best ones they've ever had. But it's a long night. Tony Khan's proven he doesn't mind having a long night. And I'm not going to get a, a, a Kenny singles or a Danielson singles. And I would like that. You know, it's like, when it, it, you know, maybe what's happening is we we did get so much fun that it's just not that much fun anymore. Like, because it's still a blast. You are still getting a, a great show. But it, it ain't the show we were getting. Yeah, I think, I think the, they're focused in on more storylines. I, I, I do like that they're they're honing in on storylines, but it's not it's not necessarily the players I want to see. Some of them are, but 
there's key guys that you go, dude, how much time do these guys even have to wrestle? And this is what you're doing. The bloom is off the rose, I think, in terms of, oh, man, I got to go check out an AEW show because it's a it's an event. It's an atmosphere. It's a place you want to be in. And ECW ran into this when ECW was first really hot. It was, oh, man, I got to go see an ECW show. I hear these crowds are insane. The matches are fucking wild. And then the second, third, fourth time they come to a town, it's like, all right, I saw that. What are you giving me differently? And I think that the Grand Slam card has been built really well. But like you said, there's no wacky extra hook to get somebody to want to come out to, to uh, to that venue. And I think the only thing they have is what the rumor that edge might show up. And I I said this last year and people got mad at me and by people, I mean, Dan uh, and you where I'm like, you can only do surprises so many times before it's like, all right, surprise. Here's Soraya surprise. Here's Adam Cole. And now it's surprise. Hopefully maybe here's edge. Uh, And if that's all you got to, to excite people, you're, you're going to eventually run out of people. Yeah. No, no, you you are you are not wrong, and and like, dude, I'm I'm very excited for an MJF Samoa Joe main event. Yeah, um, I'm excited for legit all the matches. I think they'll be good, but there's also that Ring of Honor feeling over the last like year. But I feel like it's been super heavy the last few weeks or months, where you're like, okay, the Ring of Honor titles are almost presented more than other certain titles, and. I know Collision isn't a part of Grand Slam, but holy shit, shouldn't they be? Where are they taping Collision? Just wherever they're taping it next Saturday, I guess. That's that poor fucking show. And so you have like FTR, you know, they're doing like tag team open challenges. Okay, cool, but but we're not getting like, come on, guys. Like, again, there's only so much time with these dudes. We're seeing the young, like, I guess I'm starting to panic because you're seeing them present even younger guys now. It's like, you know, like the Jungle Boys and this are over and now it's like the Nick Waynes. And it's like, okay, but wait, wait, I haven't even gotten any fucking Aleister Black singles matches that I give a fuck about. So can we like get to some guys and and give us the dream matches before they're they're 45 and out? Well, well, to to that end, let's get to, to Dynamite, which opened with a big time dream match. If you were a fan of Sunday Night Heat, uh, it's John Moxley versus Big Bill. Uh, look, seeing Dean Ambrose versus no, Big no, no, Bill wait, is- wait. So, in all my shit and in, in all the shitting uh, that I just did on 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 current, you know what's going on. I actually like the presentation of Big Bill, and I liked that he was like uh, kind of a badass, and uh, I didn't mind this match. Obviously, no, again, I prefer an Orange Cassidy opening to a Dynamite over a Moxley opening to a Dynamite, but I'll take it. But yeah, it obviously went too long, man. It went long, but I mean, it makes sense. You're in Moxley's hometown. You want to get the crowd amped up and excited. And I guess something happened on Collision where they tried to offer Ricky Starks a spot in Blackpool Combat Club, and he turned it down. And now you've got Ricky Starks. It was attacking. great. It was great. Not enough for me to actually like pull up collision on my DVR, but I'm sure it was wonderful. Um, you know, Moxley gets the win. You get a brawl. Claudio makes the save. We're we're Blackpool. We're now baby faces. Cool. 
Um, yeah, I, I, I suppose so. I mean, these guys just need to be friends, but break up. Yeah, I, I, it's that's kind of what it feels like. It's uh, I'm glad you guys had fun together, but you can do a lot more separate than Claudio feeling like the number three guy in a group when he could very easily be his own. Like he should be the international champion since he speaks all those languages. And I would love to see Claudio just fucking wrestle guys every week. Yeah. And, and you know, hey, maybe that happens. Maybe he starts scratching his head. and But again, he's the Ring of Honor champion. So Oh, well, that's... that's... And, 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 and that's... He is, right? I mean, so that's... He yeah, is. Because, yeah, and so that's that's another problem. It's like you got... You got a lot, a lot of titles to service. Uh, speaking of uh, uh, of servicing guys that uh, we don't necessarily need, we get Roderick Strong yes. in the Kingdom uh, cutting a promo. Uh, it's look, I think Strong with the with the neck brace is funny in that it feels like goofy WWF shit, where he's wearing the over the top neck brace, and you know you don't care about his neck and all that other nonsense, um, but. I think it's uh, it's it's goofy mid card stuff that's unfortunately part of the world title picture. Uh, yeah, I'm having a blast with it. I don't know why. I just think it's super fun. The world title, it, it feels like it's had a decent amount of focus on it. Uh, not a decent amount. It's I mean, it's the only really like consistent story in the company, and it's coming at you from a few different angles. So. I can't shit on the storyline and I love Roderick in it. Uh, yeah, we just gotta, we gotta put the metal to the pedal to the metal. I don't know. I'm a bad driver, but yeah, no, it's look, it's a fine, but again, it's happening, right? I mean, it's happening next week. So I, I, I have no complaints. I think shit is going to, to hit the fan next week. And, and that's what you want in the storyline is you want to think it's going to, and then you go, no, no, actually the week after that. So they're doing a good job. But yeah, look, man, I mean, another issue I have, like bringing up the whole Ring of Honor thing, and this is my fault because Roderick Strong doesn't deserve this, but Roderick, Adam, um, you know, in my head, that's NXT just because that's what I I watch them the most on. And so, yeah, the main event in my head a little bit feels NXT-ish, but at the same time, what is even that? This is AEW. Uh, Those guys left that company and they're doing awesome, awesome things. But, but I do know because, but part of it is because, you know, you say you associate them with NXT. They in AEW talk about their time in NXT. They talk about Ring of Honor. So it, you you can be forgiven for like melding everything together. It becomes kind of difficult to tell it apart. The thing I like about the Roderick Strong thing right now is at least it's some kind of character. It's he's the goofy guy with the fake neck brace, which is great if he's going after. Um, like the the TNT title, like that's a fun story for that. Keep him out of the main event picture. Uh, Don Callis and Takeshita come out to announce uh, that Takeshita is now the Alpha, uh, and that they are going after Kota Ibushi. Scott, I'm sure you were fucking thrilled about this. <laughs> this should have been backstage. Uh, it's you know why announce a thing if a person's not there to the live crowd or you know if you're going to reveal a picture you'd maybe think someone's going to run out there's going to be something other than just an announcement and a walk away so my only complaint is should have been backstage should have revealed the painting the painting's cool i understand the match it's a bummer because abushi is 
so hurt and so not what he was even a year and a half ago. Yeah, I was just going to ask ago. you, like, I don't know what kind of shape he's in. Um, if this actually happens, is it going to be like a pale? Oh, I'm comparison? guessing it's the match at Wrestle Wrestle Dream, right? Yeah, that's probably where that's got to take place. Yeah, and I mean he'll probably do better than the last few matches he's been in because it's a singles, and so there's a little more focus to it, you know, and not him trying to figure out a cue and looking around at six different guys and getting confused. <laughs> um, yeah, that is true. Because he has seemed like confused the last few times. Uh, yeah, I hope it's good. But again, should have been backstage. And since it wasn't, there was this like, okay, where's Kenny? He wasn't here last week. He wasn't here this week. He's not going to be on Grand Slam. You know, again, you just get you get in the Kenny itches, just like you get the Danielson itches. This is why we're wrestling fans. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> we got we got Danielson in the next segment, and it was backstage the Blackpool Combat Club saying that uh, they're going to escalate things with Ricky Starks and Big Bill to a tag match on Collision, which is like the official. Hey, we're baby faces now, but then Ray Phoenix confronts Moxley because they're they're fighting next week at Grand Slam. And then Eddie pops up to confront Claudio. And I'm annoyed just because the best story you have going into Grand Slam is Eddie Kingston winning the Ring of Honor title. And Eddie Kingston winning the Ring of Honor title from Claudio, who he hates. Why would you take away heel Claudio at the one moment where you just want the entire crowd to have no choice but to boo the fuck out of Claudio and cheer Eddie? I'm sure they will regardless, but you're muddying the water unnecessarily, right? I mean, I can't argue that. That's valid. I, you know, sometimes I like a little, uh, oh, I don't like, I'm nice to this person. I'm mean to this person. It feels realistic. We have beef with this crew. We like this crew. Uh, but yeah, I understand as like a, the general fan going, wait, I'm supposed to hate him, but he does nice things sometimes. So yeah, I, I, you're right. I just, I don't know. I feel like sometimes wrestling fans, all, not you guys, not Forbidden Dork, sometimes wrestling fans are just fucking dumb. And if they're like, oh, Claudio's a good guy now, I got to cheer him. And it's, you know, I, I, I like the, the purity of that moment. And I feel like that's what would make Grand Slam special, but I wouldn't tamper with it. Uh, something that I loved, the Hook Orange Cassidy backstage segment, that was just fun little sports entertainment moment. Yeah, that was good stuff. I liked it a lot. Uh, Tony Storm, Sheeta, Nyla Rose, and Britt Baker in another women's four-way match, and another women's four-way match where Britt loses. Uh, is she well, somebody- another and another another match to determine? You know, another throw in these women, even though we don't really know why, and it's going to determine a women's match. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can Britt keep losing like this and feel important? Uh I don't know because I don't know what you do with her. Will you have her go on a winning streak? Like we've seen it. And so unless there's like some sort of fire lit under her ass, you know, like she like gains 25 pounds in muscle. Like, I I mean, I, I just don't know what's going to make her. There, there's more talented, you know, women on the roster. I mean, Thunder Rosa is coming back. I, I hope that tension and whatever is done and we can actually get some like legit matches i mean athena's in ring of honor you know you, you you keep getting your ring of honor in my dynamite well then get some athena in my dynamite right we're, we're not getting the one thing we want to see which is more of athena who's really talented yeah. uh and yeah that that part of it absolutely sucks but uh 
We're going to get Tony Storm Soraya at Grand Slam. I think the biggest takeaway I had from Soraya's promo after was that it's been a year since she joined AEW, and I feel like I get she was hurt a little bit. Has she really done a, a, a lot in a year's time? Like to your point earlier, if you only have so much time with someone. Well, it seems like she couldn't, and now she can. It seemed like they signed her in terms of, yes, you technically can do this, but you've been gone a long while. you got to figure this out. Uh, because there was like major road bumps at first. Uh, remember that promo tank? There was like a bunch of just unfortunate. Okay, let's slowly get you back into this. To again, the point where like I know nobody going into All In wanted her to win, uh, the title. But then when she won, they were right. And this match is a good match. Yeah, no, they they I mean, made the Tony right decision. Storm, Tony Storm versus Soraya is like you know on paper you go oh sick. Yeah, and I think this character is a blast. I really, again, I like that AEW is figuring out you have to give people identities that audience members can I can like latch onto, they can identify with. They're like, oh, she's the goofy woman who thinks she's like a an old Hollywood starlet, and she throws a shoe. Cool. Yeah, you kind of sometimes have to like go be extra because you can always reel it in. Well, I'm so glad you said that. Going to the next segment. Uh, Jericho and Sammy, who I think reeled it in a little too much. No, why didn't I like this segment? I like this show because, and look, I like that they're paying attention to this and and, um, they gave it time because it should be important. But I I thought, because I saw like compliments about it online and this segment didn't do it for me. I think the match will, because I like, I I am a Jericho defender. I think his matches are, when he knows they need to be good, they're always good. When he fights uh, Bandito in a singles, he's going to make it happen. He fights Osprey at Wembley, he's going to make it happen. And I think he likes Sammy enough, he's going to make it happen. But what the fuck was this? It was just a lot of back and forth, but like, I didn't feel any bite. And I think that's a lot, uh, a big problem with like the, well, him and Jungle Boy in terms of pillars, where there's like no bite. Like, where there's this moment of like, well, now I'm going to kick your ass. But like, they don't even change their tone of how they're saying it. They're still kind of smiling. And it, it is youth. It's like, oh, he's young. But damn. So I'll try to take a, 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 a swing at it. I think part of the problem is this Jericho storyline in the last month or so hasn't made any sense. It was the you know him splitting from the JAS but nobody cared because it was a heel leaving a bunch of clown heels and nobody came out as the babyface then you had Jericho going into the Osprey match where they're trying to tell this story but then they were oh shit the crowd's going to go wild for Osprey we kind of got to make Jericho a little bit of a heel and then you're doing this Jericho Sammy thing where Sammy is supposed to be the babyface of the duo but no one wants to cheer Sammy and when they're just being earnest with each other, you're waiting for, all right, what's the next thing? And when you know that it's not authentic, it's a waste of time. Like you can do that in five minutes and be done, not the you know 13 minutes this went. Uh, and if it is true, do you really want to see a love fest with Jericho and Sammy where they're supposed to be baby faces? That's, that's the other thing. I don't think we want to see that, right? We, we don't want to see – that's not the hug we really care about. There's a lot of wrestling hug. That's so funny. There's a lot of wrestling moments that involve dudes hugging, and you go, "We've been waiting for that the whole time," <laughs> yes. and this ain't it. 
Look, we get it. Look, dude, they've been there since day one. First episode, right? Fucking um, uh, Inner Circle. Love the Inner Circle. I get it. They, I, I get all of it. I, I don't care about them hugging each other. Um, I am compelled by uh, Don Callis following around Sammy. I thought it was funny. Uh, Don, so Don's, uh, we'll, we'll get to, he's following around Danny Garcia, which I like. Oh, that was Danny Garcia. Yeah, that yeah. was so Which funny. is also how interchangeable these guys are. Oh my God. Yeah, right. What the fuck? Uh, so there was a cool little, uh, backstage thing they filmed the week before. And this is what sucks that I think the most alive moment of the first hour was a pre-tape from a week prior. It was MJF preemptively cutting a promo on either Joe or Roderick Strong where they're like, Hey, you're not cleared to compete. So he just did the Steiner math promo. And I get that it's goofy and stupid, but at least it was entertaining. Yeah, it was cute. It was a little acknowledgement of uh, wrestling, pop culture, you know? I liked it. Yeah, it worked. Uh, Brian Cage took on Hangman Adam Page, which I feel like should have felt bigger than it did, given those guys. But you're advancing the Swerve story. Like, Swerve came out after, um, and then the Young Bucks beat up Prince Nana who, as much as we shit on Nana, that dance is entertaining as hell. Yeah, that dance was fun. Um, I liked the match. I liked a lot of moments in the match, but this was the match on the card where I was thinking about the size of the crowd and how I wish the crowd was bigger and how, yeah, how can you really get into it if there's not that many people there? And what you're looking at is, you know, because they don't even see, they see it so the cameras can see the a bunch of people but then a bunch of people are just looking at empty seats yeah uh which is the bummer and i felt like there were moments in this match where you just felt like if there was another half of the arena with people uh we could have like a nice uh this is awesome chant we could because there were some really great moments and i think swerve hangman dude yeah they, they could end up having match of the year uh both of them are so talented yeah I think both those guys have that Shawn Michaels quality to them where there's a an in-ring skill, there's a charisma, they can feel like they're a star uh, if positioned properly. But maybe part of the – not the bummer for me for Dynamite, but it's like between the Big Bill match and the Brian Cage match, it's two big guys that we know never win. So there's no drama to it. The matches are fine, but you're not watching this going, oh, I think Brian Cage can win. Like you know – with 100% certainty, Brian Cage is losing this match to further a storyline. Anytime he's out there, he's not a guy they're going to build. He's just a big dude that they can beat. Uh, so you feel like you're going through the motions, kind of like the next match, which was Darby Allen and Nick Wayne versus uh, Parker and Menard. Are, are you like, man, I'm excited to watch this? Or are you like, man, I wish I could fast forward through it? Um, I... Uh... 2.0, that's what I'll call them. Yeah, it's 2.0. I can't think what the hell yeah. their name is in AEW. I like, you know, I like them. I think they're genuinely funny on the mic. Yeah, uh, it's you know, in terms of like, obviously, uh, the acclaimed are the outlaw are the new age outlaws, but these guys to me should really be the ones that are mostly just talking and not wrestling. That's fair. Yeah. But it was fine. Yeah, again, it's just you got this. We know you got a deep tag roster, and you're not really showing it to us. And even though I do want to see these guys because they're finally free of, uh, you know, a Jericho Appreciation Society that 
did not work. It, it worked for, you know, a few weeks and then it, it didn't do any favors for anybody. I want to see them succeed. I just don't know how they do. Like, it's not, it's not having a banger match on dynamite, right? They got to, you, you got to find what you're good at and then like accentuate the fuck out of it. But you go, okay, so what is that? Cause they're really funny. So what do they do? They've been doing the DraftKings commercials. That's kind of the best yeah, use like, of them. I mean, really, and I'm not even knocking, but it's like one of those things where, and I think the New Day are more talented, you know, obviously. But when you do have a talent that can do something, you go, well, let's use them for that. And and I think these two guys are silly enough to. Dude, what I would do is like I would readjust Rampage, where you know a guy like Brian Cage, he doesn't lose on Rampage, and he's actually a monster. And so when he does come to Dynamite, it's like, oh, the monsters of Rampage, you know, like. And so, you know, you let Angelo Parker and, and, and Matt Menard knock it out of the park on Rampage. So we will give a shit when they come back. But, like, they, they don't need us to see them. They actually need to go away and come back. Yeah, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be mad at that. Um, what I was mad about, so the main event was Samoa Joe and Roderick Strong. The match was a very solid match where you pointed out the lack of a crowd. It was it was a heel versus heel match. I mean, the crowd was going to kind of cheer for Joe, but it was still a heel versus heel match. The post match stuff with Roderick Strong's neck went on and on and on just to get to Adam Cole getting choked out by Samoa Joe. Uh, did that feel as interminable to you as it did me, or am I just being a dick? Well, so I watched it live. Every time I watch any wrestling show live. Um the last few minutes aren't fun for me because I'm looking at the clock and going, how are they going to wrap it up? It's like, no, none of it feels like it's, uh, everything feels rushed to me, no matter what, because I'm constantly going back and forth, uh, thinking about the timing of it all. And so when this shit ended at like nine 53 or something, the match, yeah, I did not know what was going on and they kept dragging and dragging. And I'm glad they did hit the points that they had to hit, which was, you know, they did, it did serve a purpose. Uh, you know, Roderick fell, they're blaming Adam, and then Adam finally gets choked out by Joe. But that finally getting choked out by Joe took so long that I was stressing, man. I'm like, yo, they are stalling for time. Uh, and again, the Joe thing, it makes sense. Joe choking him out, fucking rules. Makes me more hyped for the match next week, uh, among other things. But damn, that stretched and felt uncomfortable. It's weird because it's it's the kind of thing that you do when someone's legitimately hurt and it takes a while and you get that eerie kind of calm. Uh, it just went on and on. And when you know it's fake to that, then that, I mean, obviously 90% of what you're seeing, I mean, you know, is, is fake unless someone's really hurt. But when you know that it's we're getting to another bit and it's still going and it's your main event, people are going to tune out and they're going to be like, all right, I, this is how this is ending. I'm done. So I'm curious on the numbers, how many people just kind of said, all right, that's it. Like I was fast forwarding to try to get through this, uh, that segment. And I almost missed Adam Cole getting choked out. Why? Because you just thought, oh, this is it. It's over. Yeah, it's just, it's just going to end with they're loading him on the stretcher. We're wheeling him up the ramp. And then Excalibur doing like, you know, the the solemn like, well, good, good, good night from uh, Cincinnati or whatever. Yeah. No, no, I, I get that. Not that not a strong way to end it. I mean, fine dynamite, not a you know, man, what a what a great show or what a memorable show. Um which sucked because I feel like the week before there was a little bit of like, hey, this is this is kind of fun. Like we're we're getting back in our groove. 
this did not feel like a big uh, groove. And you're building to, again, you're building a Grand Slam and you're building to Wrestle Dream, where I know somebody mentioned Anoki. Um, I know Takeshita. They, they mentioned Anoki as him being better than Anoki. So I guess we're trying to play it up a little bit to get to him versus Kota. But it's gonna be it's gonna be a lift to get people to to spend money on it. Even though I think Hangman and Swerve is gonna be awesome, and hopefully Takeshita and uh, Kota Ibushi will be good. Yeah, and, and Danielson, Zack Saber is happening on that show. Yeah, that's happening uh, with. I mean, no build up, but I get it. Like it's hey, this will be a really fun match. Yeah. No, I mean, I look. The shows are always the big shows are always stacked, and they always deliver. Um, but I also don't pay for them. So like you're, you, you know, you're, I, I think I would have, cert- I, I mean, no, I just wouldn't. I, 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 you can't pay for wrestling like this. It's too much wrestling. No, <laughs> it's it, a lot. You would have had to have spent a hundred dollars in the last month to watch two AEW pay-per-views. And um, look again, they were great pay-per-views, but like, dude, nothing's worth a hundred dollars. You steal anything, anything that much you steal boys. Let's go. We, we do not here at Wrestle Rose endorse Scott's, uh, you know, felonious uh, actions uh, whatsoever. But, uh, you know, sometimes people do what they got to do, especially when it comes to getting to watch wrestling. Um, I feel like part of like the history of wrestling is knowing someone who has a black box. so You could watch WWF pay-per-views. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, so let's uh, let's wrap this thing up with some high spot, low spot. Scott, what was your high spot, low spot of the week? Oh, you know, my high spot. Well, let's go with the low spot. My low spot is genuinely uh, the attendance for what's coming up on Grand Slam because I was at the first Grand Slam. It was packed. It felt like moments. I think that's like the main reason I kept bringing up, hey, you know, there's these three matches that you should be happening is because doing this episode, being reminded that Grand Slam was next week, I went to the first one, and that Omega Danielson match was such a cool moment. Well, in didn't time. you go with Dan and Mike? No, no. I, Dan, oh. Dan went. I think Mike was in L.A. Dan might have went with Dan Soder, and I went with my buddy Justin Flanagan. And uh, again, such a moment that they did it at the snap of a finger. It was Danielson was there. Danielson challenged him the week before, and that was the match we were getting. And you know they can do that at, at these venues, at certain venues, and they're just – they're not for some reason. I mean they're giving us great matches. So the thing I'm complaining about is very silly. But damn, man, uh, it's obviously affecting attendance. Like, you know, give us what we want. But anyway, uh, that, that's my low spot. High spot. Let's think about that. I – uh. Just because I haven't acknowledged it the last few weeks, I really like uh, what they're doing with uh, Gunther and Gable. Yeah. I thought that was amazing. Uh, they've done what? It, it's been three matches so far. Uh, well, now they got Champa not- involved. And then there was a thing a week prior where they did Gunther and Gable in the main event. And then Gable lost and they cut to his daughter crying. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Which is just. You know, I, I said, like, I, I don't think that he smartened her up in advance, which is a little questionable parenting, but it made for a great visual. Like, that's like Ms. Girl or that guy crying when Punk came back. You kind Dude, of that love like that a emotion. Danielson strap match, which I watched Danielson strap match and I was shocked the way he was snapping Stark's face with that strap. 
And then he was like, yeah, my uh, my kids were watching. They were in the Danielson after the show. They were watching. Uh, my son got a kick out of it. My daughter didn't. Like, that was one of the most violent matches I've ever seen. Yeah, it was wild. That was a wild <laughs> strap match. That was that was a lot of fun that I get we needed a cutesy way to get to that match. But it would have been fun if that was actually built for several weeks as opposed to just kind of like, hey, surprise. Sure, yeah. What do you got? What's your high spot, low spot? So I'll start with my low spot. I'm sticking with uh, – I would have done the attendance. The other thing was sticking with Danielson. It's not really a low spot, low spot, but he's kind of announced that we're getting to the beginning of the end of his career. That he only sees himself, I think, maybe having another year. Uh, yeah, being I think he said act- next August sounds good. Yeah. So that may mean that he'll transition to doing some one-off stuff, uh, maybe – you know, get one last bite at WWE. Who knows? I just hope that AEW has their act together enough to give him a great year of matches and that everybody is healthy enough to give him a great year of matches. I get we're getting, you know, Zack Sabre Jr. I'm sure we'll get another Kenny match in there. Um, maybe he'll he'll try to work with Hangman to give Hangman a, a a good match. I'd love to see what him and Swerve could do. I think him motivated to try to get Strickland where he needs to be would be a hell of a lot of fun. It's just sad that we're gonna see kind of the end of Danielson now for what a third time. Uh, and my my oh, high yeah. no, my high real. spot. This is going to be like, I can already hear Dan rolling his eyes and, and me being a fucking WWE whatever on the, oh, sorry, a TKO on the payroll guy. Um, but I love the rumors that Jade Cargill is going to be going to WWE. I think that. Well, she, now I've heard that's not completely confirmed. I'm not saying it's completely confirmed. I just said the rumor that Don't she's going my heart. just because I really feel like she's got a tremendous look. As far as a wrestler goes, she has a star quality to her. I just don't have faith in AEW's women's division to really give her the opportunity to get better in the ring. There's only so many times you can wrestle sky blue. Um, They have great producers in AEW. I just don't think she gets a chance at the reps. I would say bring her into WWE. You can put her on the main roster, and then when she's not on TV, have her in the performance center, like what they do with Dominic Mysterio. They brought him in, put him on Raw, but he still goes down to the PC and and gets in reps every day. I think she's someone that they can mold into being a really major superstar, and it was kind of bumming me out that I feel like in AEW, she kind of hit a ceiling. So I'm hoping that maybe possibly the rumors are true. She goes to WWE and we'll get, you know, her and Rhea, her and Becky, her and Bianca, her and Charlotte. That'll be fucking fantastic. So that, that's nah, why nah, that's my great. high spot. I, um, I think everybody's the, the contract stuff is fun. Um, I, I hope there's a lot of back and forth and not just one way. We will find out. The edge thing is interesting. I genuinely don't see it happening, but I know a lot of people are saying, "Oh, edge is going." I just don't see it. Uh, I don't. I don't I see do- it either. Just because this was his like that's the only place he's been, and he's a legacy guy. And they took 
you know, they took care of him when he was out with the with what they thought was the end of his career. They found ways to get him paydays. They found ways to honor his legacy. They took care of Beth Phoenix. They they put both of them in the Hall of Fame. I I I don't know unless I mean the only thing is you know if these people have this thing in their brains of I always said I would be loyal to to Vince. Uh, this is no longer Vince. This is a new company. We need to acknowledge that in our brains. And I need to, uh, you know, follow the money and not my heart because Vince did. It's possible, but I think long-term money for Edge is WWE. I so agree too. Yeah. You got to be, you know, the, some of those guys like Jericho is always very careful to not really bury WWE. Moxley, even when he buries WWE, really isn't burying him. Danielson's always complimentary. They know that there's always a possibility of going back at some point. And as long as you do business the right way, you can you can find your way back there. And I would love to see Edge on commentary somewhere or as a as a figurehead. Like get rid of Adam Pierce and give me Edge, and I'll be thrilled. Um, the only way I would really see him doing AEW and they Christian kind of teased it this week was saying, you know, I want this match because I didn't have my normal tag partner. And then there was a long pause before he said Luchasaurus. So it's like maybe him and him and edge want to get one more something. Yeah. I, uh, and Christian's having a blast. So I guess, you know, maybe there's that. Um, but, uh, Hey, but we're having a blast here on wrestle roast like i said on the patreon this weekend uh scott and i are going to be talking the uh the 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 first two episodes of the wrestler show on netflix i'm sure we'll talk a little bit of what happens on collision if something happens on collision uh, or if anything else winds up breaking over the weekend that'll be up on patreon on monday uh since i am back in town and firing on all cylinders there will be a something to sports entertainment with talking about raw this week uh you can follow me on twitter at wwe creative underscore ish uh dan is on the road so if you're in not st louis i don't know when he's playing st louis but if you're if you're around and get a chance to see dan live it's totally worth it mike's going to be back on the road with pete davidson so if you see that coming to your town that's totally worth it scott what uh what do you want to plug my friend Oh gosh! I mean, I guess in two weeks I'll be at Skankfest in Vegas. So if anyone's in Vegas, uh, I think the twenty eighth to the first or something like that, I will. Uh, I'll be in Las Vegas. Shit! I was just in Vegas. I would have loved to have seen Skankfest, boys. <laughs> yeah, because when you think me, the first thing you think is, oh yeah, Robert's going to something called Skankfest. Uh, that sounds. I'll bring the. I'll bring the wife and kids. It'll be lovely. Uh, and then, uh, do you have another podcast you wanna you wanna whore out? Oh, that's right. Out for Smokes. New episode out now. Uh, Dan's got his other podcast, The It Couple. Uh, it's it's an opportunity for him to, you know, him and his wife to go watch horror movies with a bunch of their friends. He's told me some of the people he's recorded with over the next couple weeks, and it's a pretty stacked lineup. So I think that'll be a lot of fun. One of these days we'll we'll do that show, Scott. I think that'll be fun. We'll do like the Wrestle <laughs> yeah, Rose crew. We'll get, we'll get the call. Dude, I'm not a horror movie guy, but I'll watch something weird or spooky and we'll we'll talk about it but uh hey until then uh best of luck in your future endeavors and scott what do you want to say to the fine folks wash your hands wash your hands